All right, folks, this is John Lawrence, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the NBCRNA CPC program. I had the distinct pleasure of talking with Dr. John Preston and Miss Lisa Kamen of the National Board of Certification and Recertification for Nurse Anesthetists, the NBCRNA, on the Continued Professional Certification Program. If you want to know what's up with the CPC program, you've landed on the right podcast. We're going to walk through a comprehensive overview of the program from what's required in each four-year cycle, a rundown on Class A and B credits, core modules, the two-year check-in requirements, and of course, an overview of the CPC assessment or examination process. Additionally, we talk about the significance of the CPC program from a continuing education standpoint and how it stacks up with what other healthcare professionals are doing. And then we wrap up the show with a conversation on the challenges and opportunities CRNAs are going to face in the coming years. Now, I'd like to introduce Dr. Preston and Ms. Kamen to you. John Preston, DNSC, CRNA, APN, is the Chief Credentialing Officer of the National Board of Certification and Recertification for Nurse Anesthetists. Dr. Preston has been active in nurse anesthesia accreditation, education, and regulation for over 20 years. His previous career accomplishments include Nurse Anesthesia Program Administrator, Chair of the Council on Accreditation, and the AANA Senior Director for Education and Professional Development. He has been a registered nurse for 31 years and a CRNA since 1994. Lisa Kamen, CAE, is the Senior Director of Communications, Publications, and Governance with the NBCRNA and has been with the NBCRNA since 2015. Lisa earned the Certified Association Executive Designation in 2018. The CAE credential is the marker of a committed association professional who has demonstrated the wide range of knowledge essential to manage an association in today's challenging environment. She has more than 20 years' experience in the healthcare communications field, having worked with numerous healthcare nonprofit organizations and associations. With that, let's get to the show. Uh, Dr. Preston and Ms. Kamen, welcome to the program. I'm very grateful for you taking the time to record this podcast to help unpack the continued professional certification program for CRNAs that the NBCRNA uh, has created. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here today. Great. Well, Dr. Preston, let's start with you. Would you mind taking just a couple of minutes and outlining the basic overview of the CPC program for the listeners? Yes, be glad to. So um, there are a variety of components that comprise the CPC program uh, in no particular order. Uh, but to, to get all of them, one, our Class A credits. And Class A credits are, in the past, what we would have called continuing education units or continuing education credits. Um, and the, the thing that makes them Class A credits is that they have some sort of an assessment that's associated with the continuing education. And that could be a self-assessment or that could be um, any one of a number of other types of assessments that's associated. And the assessment's there to... Um, help evidence that learning has occurred. Right. Also, to be a Class A credit, um, those continuing education credits have to be prior approved. And what does that mean? Well, that means that an organization that is accredited to approve continuing education has reviewed the content, reviewed the learning objectives, determined that there's a correlational uh, relationship between the content and the learning objectives and that it meets the requirements that are set by that particular organization. Right. The next item or element of the CPC program are the Class B credits, and, and those are brand new for nurse anesthetists. They really um, are professional activity units. And so in lots of ways, 
uh, frequently I tell folks that's the value add. That's what we as nurse anesthetists do uh, besides giving great anesthesia. It's those additional things that we engage in that help to enrich our practice. Um, so it's uh, things like uh, participating in committees, uh, participating in humanitarian work, if you're interested, publishing articles, chapters, etc. So there's a whole long list of um, elements that can be considered Class B credit. Right, right. I think Class B is a really interesting opportunity for CRNAs. It's many of the activities that I feel like a lot of CRNAs are already doing count as Class B credit. Well, they do, and and that's the great thing. I, I think because it's new, sometimes people um, are concerned, how am I going to get that, and what does that mean? And, and once again, when I talk to folks, and I do speak to a fair number of groups, I usually try to point out, most likely, you're already doing the Class B credits. You're right. just not in the past. You weren't getting um, being able to take credit for it. But now you can take credit for that value add. Right. And all of the Class B uh, opportunities in terms of what counts as Class B credit are clearly outlined on NBCRNA's uh, website. Well, and we like to think so. And I from my perspective, I deal with that a lot. My staff answers a lot of questions about that. Um, but there's a table that's on our website. And if you uh, go to our website, you go to the uh, search box and you type in Class B table, you're going to get some returns. And one of those returns, probably if not the very first one, will be a copy of that Class B table. And um, all 20 of those categories are outlined with information about them and about what types of information you might want to consider holding on to so that if you're ever asked uh, to evidence that you participated, you can deliver that, and um, and then each one of the categories has a slightly different um, value, and so the right. values are outlined and explained as well. Right, right. That's great. And I think uh, before moving on, we should highlight that many of the opportunities to obtain Class B are, one, as we said, things that are CRNAs that are already doing, but two, don't necessarily have a cost associated with them. It's just It's just a process of reporting the activity that you've done and being able to verify that you did in fact do that activity. Yeah, I would agree with that. In fact, I take it one step further. Um, I would say that it's completely possible and highly probable that CRNAs will not have to spend, have any kind of monetary outlay in order to achieve their class B credits. Um, once again, like, like we both said, it's things that we're already doing. Right. That's great. So we've talked a little bit about what Class A and Class B are. Uh, we know that the CPC program is set up on a two, four-year cycle. So let's talk about what, what is required in each four-year cycle in terms of the number of Class A and Class B credits. Um, okay. Well, that's a great next step. So um, every four years, an individual on average needs to complete 60 Class A and 40 Class B. And I say on average because... There are a couple of different ways to satisfy the requirements. Yeah, one must complete at least sixty um, Class A credits. There's that's not um, there's no variation with the Class A. You can certainly complete more. Right, that's great if you have interest and you want to take additional coursework. But you have to complete at least the sixty. Now, relative to the Class B credits, individuals, uh, we would like to see people taking credit for what they're doing and, and recording. 40 Class B credits. They could even record more than that. Um, but we also are aware that there may be certain situations where CRNAs don't have opportunities to engage in those professional um, enrichment activities. And so 
um, for every class A credit over 60, one class B credit requirement um, is taken care of. Right. So if an individual didn't want to do any class B credits, they could do 100 class A credits, and that would satisfy both the class A and the class B requirement. Or they could do anything between 60 and a and um, 100, and whatever portion they did would satisfy that number of Class B credits. It would just leave the balance needing to be earned as Class B. That's great. Does that make sense? That makes perfectly clear sense, and I think how that unpacks for a lot of CRNAs practically, there, there are many ways to kind of slice and dice one's approach to the program, but uh, you know, many CRNAs are in the habit of going to a conference on an annual basis. Most conferences offer around 20 Class A credits. In a four-year cycle, if you ended up going to a conference every year, you don't have to, but if you did, you could accumulate presumably around 80 credits. And then, you know, 20 of those, which is are over the 60 class A minimum, would count towards your 40 required class B. So there are a lot of different ways that people can can go about it. You're exactly right, John. And you said something else that, that I like, which is um, accurate and um, it's an advantage of the CPC program, and that is flexibility. So the fact that CRNAs can choose how they want to earn those credits, uh, they're not locked into only having to get 60 and having to get 40. There is right. some, um, some choice and variability, and we think that that's important. Right, right. I think, it is, I, think, I think it's one of the inherent benefits of the program, for sure. Uh, tell us a little bit about what else is required in a four-year cycle. So we talked about Class A and Class B. What else is required? So core modules, that's another requirement. They're required in every four-year cycle. And um, core modules are a specialized type of Class A credit. Um, they're a type of Class A credit that really focuses on new and emerging information. So what are those things that are out there that are new and emerging within the past five years? And that's the five years surrounding the time when the um, core module is produced. And uh, you know, the idea behind that is to make sure that CRNAs on a reoccurring basis, at least every four years, um, have, are presented with those things that are affecting or influencing their practice as a nurse anesthetist and that are evidence-based um, out there in the literature. Just, just the element to make sure that folks are staying current with that emerging knowledge. Right, right. So there, there are four core module categories. There's airway, applied clinical pharmacology, human physiology and pathophysiology, and anesthesia equipment and technology. And just to be clear, will you talk a little bit about what's, what specifically a core module is? I mean, this is, a, this is an online learning process that, that, in my understanding, multiple private companies are producing this content. The NBCRNA is making sure it meets the standards and approving it from a core module standpoint. But these, these are online learning modules that are offered through private companies. Is that, could, that, could that define it clearly? Um, I think it does, John. I'm going to add just a little bit more to it, yeah. um, uh, and that is that um, absolutely it needs to be, for the most part, an online product. Okay. We do allow individuals to deliver core module content at a live, in-person meeting. Okay. okay. So they can do that, but if they do that, the assessment still has to be delivered electronically. And so, you know, it is a type of Class A, so there is an assessment. It's a specialized type of Class A. The AANA refers to that type of Class A as a PDIS, Provider Directed Independent Study. And that's been out for quite some time. That's not really new. It's just that the, 
the core module falls into that category. That's very um, and interesting. And so there's certain parameters around the assessment um, with PEIS. So, so let me let me follow up on that point specifically. Is a is a live presentation uh, when that is codified as a core module? I mean, is that something that a CRNA could experience by going to the uh, traditional conception of a conference, and they are able to satisfy their core module? requirement by what they would experience at a conference, or is that something different? Um, slightly different. The answer could be yes, the answer could be no. Okay. Um, while core module content could be delivered at a live meeting, every live meeting would not qualify as core module content. Right. And, and you hit on it earlier kind of in your intro, so thank you for that. Um, the NBCRNA produces a very specific list of objectives, learning objectives for each of the four domains over which the core modules are produced. And um, so to be a core module, among other requirements, one of those is those learning objectives have to either be addressed or the author has to say, I'm not addressing one right. or more because nothing new has emerged in the literature within the past five years. Okay. So, you know, you could go to an airway lecture and get great information about airway management, new skills, techniques, et cetera, and that would not necessarily be a core module. To be a core module, it would have to have those specific learning objectives would have to have been met. Right. It also would have to have been reviewed by the NBCRNA. Excellent. And we would have to have said it met our expectations. At that point, then the CE vendor that you're going to to get your continuing education could advertise it as a core module. They could report it as a core module. Otherwise, it's just great class A continuing right, education. Right. That is a wonderful clarification. Thank you for clearing that up for us. Uh, so we've talked about class A, class B, and core modules. Uh, tell us a little bit about what is required at a two-year check-in, which comes in the middle of the four-year cycle. So the two-year check-in is pretty much exactly what it, what it says. Um, it's an a incredibly abbreviated version of, um, of, a, of an every four-year process. Okay. And it's abbreviated on purpose, and it's abbreviated for a specific reason. So that's not accidental, and that doesn't take away from the value of the two-year check-in because we've made it. We've worked very hard to make it user-friendly, easy, and brief because we know that CRNAs are busy and they don't have a lot of excess time. So we want to be respectful of that. Um, but to maybe just give just a little bit of background, and then I'll, I'll kind of hit on maybe some of the elements. Sure. Um, a number of years ago, we did what we usually do. We sent out a mailing that said it's time to come in and do your recertification. And we sent that out to a large number of individuals, about 20,000 individuals, and about 3,000 of them came back undeliverable. There was no forwarding address. And um, so for all intents and purposes, those individuals weren't getting that information. Right. And CRNAs are busy individuals. And um, consequently, we were very concerned. Uh, we were concerned that if 3,000 of 20,000 uh, were not returned in a two-year period, what might happen in a four-year period? And so um, we really decided the best thing to do is to make sure that we're making contact and a touch point with individuals somewhere along that four-year cycle and that eight-year period that becomes um, what's now the CPC program. Right. So that was that was a bit of the birth child of the two-year check-in. Okay. And um, what we're really doing is we're having CRNAs verify and validate things like their contact information. 
and their record of practice. The record of practice is important because the people that accredit the NDCRNA want to know from us, how do we know that our certificates are staying current and qualify to hold the credential if suddenly we've gone from two to four years or from four years to eight years? So the two-year check-in in the certification industry is a relatively uh, common way to do that. Um, you have a, an abbreviated version of a check-in that's easy for the certificate and um, it allows them to verify and validate that information. Also lets them correct that contact information. Right. It prompts them to do that. Right. And that's really important to keep it current so that we can reach individuals with information. Right. You did mention and, something um, which I think is important to highlight is that many of the specific elements of the CPC program have, uh, in my understanding, evolved or are in place uh, not not arbitrarily, but they are informed by the expectations uh, not only of what NBCRNA and your own research and development had determined that are important, but by the accreditors that accredit NBCRNA, that, they, that you are actually beholden to external organizations that put expectations on NBCRNA and then therefore the CPC program. Well, you're exactly right. Um, everybody's got somebody to answer to. And um, we have a lot of people that we answer to, but one of those groups are our accreditors. Right. Um, and they're outside independent accreditors. And, and um, unlike many other certifiers that maybe have one external accreditor that reviews them, we have selected to have two. Right. One that's specific to advanced nursing practice and one that is broader um, and has a lot of other constituencies that have certification programs, not just nursing and not just healthcare. Um, and in their own way, each of those organizations uh, set standards. They're relatively similar. They usually hit on very similar uh, subject matters, but sometimes they come at it slightly differently. But they both are very concerned that we stay in contact with our certificates and yeah. that, um, that we know that our certificates still qualify to hold the, the um, credential that we award. Right, right. So uh, that, that's, that's very well said. So we kind of sounded off on the two-year um, check-in. At the end of each four-year cycle, CRNAs will also check in. And the, and the language that's in the program is that they will, they will demonstrate compliance with the CPC program. Can you talk a little bit about how, what is different about that four-year check-in, per se, uh, as compared to what goes on in the two-year check-in? So um, the... At the four-year mark, CRNAs are really undertaking a process that mirrors what they used to, what we used to call recertification. Okay. And so at that point, um, we're not saying verify the information that we have is correct, which is mostly what we're doing with the two-year check-in. We're saying this is what we know about you. Is right. it right? Right. If it's not, please correct it. At the four-year mark, we're taking a different approach. Um, once again, part of that is to make sure that our um, external reviewers um, are comfortable that we're collecting information. So at that point, we're asking individuals to give us information. We present your record of practice and we say, is this still accurate? Please update it. But rather than presenting a list of statements and saying um, all of these are correct unless you tell us otherwise, every four years we have to have individuals reattest. So we ask them, manually check each one of those boxes and there's a thought that goes into checking each one that you meet 
all of those eligibility requirements. And, um, and I think probably the two things that change the most for CRNAs generally are their practice locations. Uh, so a lot of folks need to update that information. And then just naturally their licensure information because right. nursing boards, not all of them, but the most, the majority of them are on a two-year cycle and lots of times it doesn't sync up with your certification. So um, uh, they, they're they giving us that information to make sure that that's accurate and up-to-date as well. Right. That's great. That's great. Uh, so there, there's one other big element of the CPC program that we've not talked about, which is the assessment. But before we talk about that, I just want to clarify one thing. We did say that core modules are required every four years in the four-year cycles, but we are in the first four-year cycle. And in my understanding right now, the core modules in this first four-year cycle are optional for CRNAs. Is that correct? Yes, and that's a great clarification. So okay. the requirement for the core modules to be mandatory begins for individuals that um, are eligible to take them on or after January 1 of 2020. Okay. So okay. anytime before January 1 of 2020, they are optional. And if individuals take them, they will get the Class A credit for them. But um, in their next cycle, you know, the, like everything else, uh, just as it has been in the past, when you end one cycle and you begin the next, right. then essentially the slate is wiped clean and right. individuals start with a clean slate for that next period. The same will go for the core modules as right. well. That's great. So let's transition it. A big question that a lot of CRNAs have about the CPC program is information about the CPC assessment or exam. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, I can. So uh, the CPC assessment, uh, we just recently um, made a change to that. Our board of directors made a change. Yeah, and a big change. Changed that from, they did make a big change. That's exactly right. And, um, and so originally um, ha that had been proposed as a performance standard the first time you took it and a pass-fail examination every time after that. Um, the change is that that is now um, a performance standard or an evaluation, a self-evaluation is another way to look at a performance standard um, every time you take it. So every eight years, that will be a performance standard. Um, the way the individual performs on that that will not directly affect their credentialing. It will not keep them from being successful, being able to renew. But what it will do is it will give them feedback. So if an individual does not, for some reason, meet the performance standard in one or more of the four categories, they'll get feedback. They'll know where they didn't meet that standard. And then they've got the next eight-year cycle to work on that and to backfill that. That's great. That's great. Um... Well, I think we've outlined the the CPC program, the highlights of it anyway, pretty clearly. And, and again, more information on each of these components can be clearly found on the NBCRNA's website. Um, it can. And in fact, I'm going to give, ask Lisa maybe even to pop in and give some information about that because we have huge numbers of uh, resources, great, rich, robust resources on our website. And, and Lisa's worked really hard to make sure oh, that great. that information is available for CRNAs. So yes. I'm going to be quiet and see if maybe she has something <laughs> that she would like to add. Yeah, Lisa, please. Great. Thanks, John. Exactly right. On the NBCRNA.com website, we have a very robust section for the CPC program that goes through each of the components and has uh, not only the information you can read, but also 
coordinating materials such as videos. We have podcasts um, that you can look through, and that kind of really helps you get a better idea about each of these components. We have a toolkit page that is a great place to go to for to find many of these elements quickly. And one thing I would want to point out is the CPC calculator. Right. It's at nbcrna.com backslash calculator. Great. And answering uh, two quick questions can give you a rundown of what your personalized CPC program next steps are going to be for the next eight years. So it's a, it's a really uh, simple, easy to use, quick way to find out based on when you last recertified or when you uh, first became a CRNA, what your next steps are for the next eight years. Right, so right. I, we always encourage people to go there. So like you said, um, John, the NBCRNA website, we've, we've gone to great lengths to really put together all types of resources on there for people who like to read about it or would they rather watch uh, videos about the CPC program or the different components um, as well as some tools. Right. So we in, always encourage people to go there, and I know it's not um, not the first thing on people's list, but it is uh, really the place you want to go to right. to learn more. Right, and, and I would encourage... You know, great, great FAQs. I'm sorry, John, go ahead. No, go for it. I was just going to say, also some great FAQs. So we've, we've heard questions that folks have had. When they ask, when we get a question many times, we typically form an FAQ, and we put that up in the appropriate place. So... Someone's probably already asked most of the questions that you might have. And so if you look at those FAQs, you'll get the answer. Right, right. That's great. The frequently asked questions. You know, the CPC program, giving an overview of that is one of the things that I've gotten into doing at continuing education conferences for CRNAs. And one of the things I try to emphasize for CRNAs is that the information is, is out there. I mean, I think the NBCRNAs has done a very good job making it very clear in terms of what the expectations are, the, de the historical development of the program, what each component is required. The NBCRNA calculator is very helpful for people to understand their dates and times. So I would say if you're able to get to this podcast and listen to it, uh, you won't have any trouble navigating the website. And Lisa, as you said, uh, NBCRNA has their own podcast uh, on the CPC program called Engage, the NBCRNA podcast. There's a slew of videos and a ton of other resources on there that will help clearly walk folks through the CPC program. Um, but Lisa, I did have a specific question for you. So you're the you're the senior director of uh, communications, publications, and governance at NBCRNA. I'm sure that you're very familiar with the questions and concerns that CRNAs have had about the CPC program. And I wondered if you would just take a couple minutes and unpack what are some of the frequent concerns or questions that you get about the NBCRNA program and how you would respond to those? Oh, sure, John. So, um, interestingly, you have done a great job of asking many of the common questions that we get. So, since Class A credits are much like the known continuing education that uh, CRNAs have done in the past, we don't get as many questions about Class A credit, but right. what we do get many questions are about some of the newer types of activities, largely the Class B credits and what those are. And I know um, John uh, just did a great job going through that. And how to track and log those, I would say, right. uh, is something we get a lot of questions about. Let's, let's dive into that real quickly, if you don't mind. 
there's kind of two different uh, patterns that folks can follow. One, if you're an AANA member, and then two, if you're not a, a member of the National Association. So how, can, can you unpack that a little bit for us? How can you track your uh, credits if you're a member of the AANA, and what do you do if you're not a member? So if you're a member of AANA, you, as a member benefit, AANA offers a way to they offer a repository, a way for you to upload your Class D credits, for instance, to have them in that repository and being tracked. So that's at uh, shop.aana.com, and that takes you to the AANA Learn site. Great. And the top level navigation there is the Class B submissions, and you can follow the um, instructions there to upload your documentation for each of your class B credits okay and then you don't have to, to track it if you track it along the way you don't have this big push at the end of the um, of the cycle to right. try to scramble and do that so right. um, that's a, a great member benefit and then if you're not an, an a and a member you can using the class B table that we referenced earlier you can view on the NBCRNA website, you can see the Class B table is really a great resource. It lists all 20 categories of and, and what documentation is needed for each of those categories of Class B credit. So let's say you are precepting students. That would be teaching in the clinical setting, for instance. Each day you teach, you get one Class B credit. And then in the far right column on that Class B table, is an optional downloadable uh, form, PDF form, that you can, it shows the simple documentation that's needed for that, and you can fill out that form, retain it for your own records in the event that you would be audited, which is the only time you would need to, to demonstrate that, and keep track of those yourself. So we do provide that on the Class B table as a way that you can keep track of your uh, class B credits, but you can also use it just to reference what documentation is needed for each of the categories. That's great. That's great. And just to add, just to add a little something to that, for because that's a great job, Lisa. Thank you. Um, if individuals are non-members, then they're going to follow a process that they're familiar with, and that is a window is opened with uh, within about the three or four month period of time prior to what we used to call research, and now we call CPC compliance and they'll be able to submit those materials then. So it, it will it will run a parallel to what they've done in the past. Okay, okay, that's great. I did have one question recently at a conference. Someone asked about um, you know getting audited or the validity of the reporting system. They were concerned, you know, specifically they were looking at the ability to gain class B credit through precepting SRNAs in the clinical environment. So for each day, CRNAs are able to get one Class B credit if they report that. And they're wondering, you know, how uh, detailed does the verification process have to be? And, and I think to hit the highlights briefly, in my understanding, a CRNA would report the date that they precepted someone and then provide the name and the email of someone who could, if verification was required, could be reached out to and to verify that, yes, they did precept someone on that day. Is there anything else that CRNAs should be keeping? Should they be keeping, you know, a, a student to preceptor evaluation, or is there is there other documentation that they should be keeping 
in, in case they were audited or, or once it's a, once it's, as you referenced, uh, the repository with AANA Learn, Lisa, once it's on there and it's showing that they have that class B credit, should they be concerned about maintaining any other additional documentation uh, for, you know, potential verification purposes down the road? So I, I would tell you, no, they shouldn't have to worry about that. Okay. Um, simplicity really kind of is the rule, John. And, okay. Um, and I, and it's, this is new for everybody, so it's completely understandable that folks would be concerned they haven't right. gone through the process before. Uh, but I would like to allay some of those fears. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and the biggest reason is if it's taking folks more than five minutes to, to deal with a particular category of Class B credit, then they're working too hard, and I want them to not work that hard. That's a great point. Um, you know, they, they have an option to not turn in anything. They can just merely claim the Class B credit. Now, I don't know that I personally, and I'm just speaking for myself because I'm a CRNA, I have to earn those Class B credits, I have to earn Class A credits, I have to fulfill all the requirements just like every other CRNA, um, I won't get to the end of the time and remember everything I did. So I like to log them in as I go along, and then I don't have to, to worry about that. Um, if I've uploaded my supporting documentation, then I'm not even going to have to worry about that. Um, if, if I didn't upload my supporting documentation, and yes, I will get audited just like everybody else, um, I won't have to have a stamp or I won't have to attach it to an email because I can walk it around the corner. But um, I'll still have to produce the material. And really what, what we want to know if there's an audit is just something that would verify it. And you said it, a name of a contact person, someone that can say some of it was associated with that program or that activity that can say, yes, they participated. Um, you know, we're not going to say on June 9th at 6 p.m. were they at the corner of yeah, sure, sure. Central. Um, it doesn't have to be that specific. It's right. just did did the individual participate, and um, and that will get it that will get at it, and we can mark that done. If the person uploads that supporting documentation, we can do that behind the scenes. So That's great. The only thing that the individual might get that indicated that they had an audit might be a note that just says you were audited and everything was in order. Thank you. That's great. That's great. And I, and I just want to highlight what you said. Uh, class B reporting for CRNAs is uh, profoundly simple and it shouldn't take more than five minutes and it typically doesn't take more than five minutes uh, to navigate that process. So hopefully it should be a pretty painless process for CRNAs. I would like I to certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah. I would like to switch gears and chat a little bit about, I think we've covered the details of the CPC program pretty well. Uh, I'd like to uh, pick your brain while I've got you on the line a, a little bit about the the philosophy of the program, kind of the context of the program. So uh, I thought one way to, to transition into this is to talk about the NBCRNA's mission. And so your mission is to promote safety by enhancing provider quality in the field of nursing anesthesia. Pretty straightforward. Uh, in, in practicality, I mean, you are the keepers of the CRNA credential uh, in terms of initial board certification and assuring ongoing professional competency. So will you talk a little bit about how does the CPC program, the evolution of the program, uh, protect the credential? How does it communicate to the legislative stakeholders, to the public, to the boards of nursing, uh, that the CRNA credential actually means something? Yes, um, I, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. So the CPC program, uh, there was a lot of thought that went behind the program. And the program, as we've discussed, has various elements. And each one of those elements um, has a unique 
purpose. So individually, they're all important. There's continuing education, professional activities. There are things to keep us current with emerging knowledge and information. And then there's a way to self-assess on a big scale periodically and um, then to, as individuals, say, okay, I either met the mark or I need to do a little backfill in one or more areas. Um, so each one of those is incredibly valuable. They all contribute to lifelong learning. They contribute to CRNAs being in charge of their own destiny relative to their continued competency, and that's exactly what we want. But when you put all of those pieces together, there really is a synergy. There's a synergy that no other advanced practice nursing uh, certifier has. And for that, we're very proud, but we're also proud of CRNAs in general and their ability to, to always be ahead of the curve, ahead of the game. And um, the CPC program and the elements of the CPC program do that very thing. They encourage and provide a framework upon which nurse anesthetists can not only stay current but demonstrate that they are lifelong learners, maintaining their knowledge throughout their career. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, would you, on that note, would you speak a little bit about how the CRNA specifically lines up with, um, uh, sorry, not the CRNA, but the CPC program lines up with other requirements? Um, how does it, how does it shoulder up to what uh, physician anesthesiologists are doing, or maybe the nurse practitioners? I'm not expecting you to get into the the nitty gritty details, but uh, would you say that the CPC program is on par with what these other healthcare professionals are doing in terms of uh, ongoing continuing education? Um, yeah, you know, I would. I would say, too, in all fairness, every single healthcare discipline, um, their certifiers and their certificates and um, everybody involved, we're all grappling with what's the best way, and by best, I mean, there are lots of things. Uh, what's the most palatable in comparison to what gets the best results. So I think probably those two things um, go into what's best. But um, what helps to maintain competency for the long run and allows the demonstration that an individual is maintaining that competency or that knowledge. And so we've, we're, we're all coming at it um, in slightly different ways but the bulk of what we're doing is pretty consistent. So some folks are using a longitudinal assessment tool. Some folks are using assessment that's given at a periodic uh, point within a time frame, and they're supplementing that with other uh, materials. So um, while the actual elements of the program might be different, um, I'm, I feel pretty confident to say that we're all getting towards that same goal, which is uh, the maintenance of knowledge over the long haul, I, I think that's really well said. I, I think you highlighted two points, which are which are very interesting when looking at continuing education programs for healthcare professionals on a more national or global scale. Is you know what is palatable for the healthcare provider specifically, and then what also actually demonstrates competence and gets the results. I want to want to drill down on that specifically in terms of the decision-making around the, the NBCRNA's decision to change the requirements of the CPC assessment or exam from pass-fail to something that uh, you know, provides an opportunity for assessment, but then also um, encourages remediation through gaining additional Class A credit if someone were deficient. So how, how does the assessment piece specifically 
fit into that element of assuring competency with CRNAs? Because I, I know that's one been a big thing that people have talked about, but it's also something that NBCRNA has looked very heavily at. Well, we have, and um, I know uh, if you're in the middle of a situation, whatever that situation might be, sometimes it's hard to see that change is occurring, but a lot of change has occurred just since the original inception of the idea of the CPC program. A huge amount of change has actually occurred since then, and uh, in no small part, that change has been brought about by um, individuals expressing concerns, expressing desires, um, and, and asking, is there a better way, is there a different way that we can go about achieving the same goal? So, um, you know, the, the assessment is a really important component. Uh, we are respectful of the fact that CRNAs are all adults. So we learn differently than children learn. It takes a different approach than you have with children, and uh, we don't want to treat anybody like a child. And one of the hallmarks of adult um, higher education and adult education and ongoing adult continuing education is you have to, number one, allow people to come to you from multiple different angles, um, and number two, you have to give them tools by which they can self-assess and then um, apply the corrective measures that they need. So an essential component of that assessment and self-reflection really is the CPCA or the CPC mm. assessment that occurs every eight years. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thank you. Um, a couple of questions just to, to round us off here on our conversation about the CPC program. Uh, let's speak briefly about cost. Uh, so, so briefly, every two years there is a $110 CPC fee that's involved in the process that the core modules are offered by private companies at the cost that they set. So that's kind of a uh, de dependent upon the specific company that a CRNA chooses for their core module. And then of course, class A's credits usually cost uh, a dollar amount. And that is also set by whatever private company is, um, is offering the class A. The exam, the cost is to be determined at this point. But what what do you uh, what would you say to CRNAs who are concerned about the cost associated with the CPC program? Well, this is probably one time I get to be a bit of a hero, hopefully, um, and and that is to let folks know that I'm sure there's other times, um, John. <laughs> well, I'm going to look for that, John. You, you are you are a CRNA uh, clinically. Don't forget. But you're right. There you go. You're you're exactly right. There I, you I go. get to be a hero on a different kind of level, um, but. You know, relative to cost, the CPC program is less expensive than the old research program, and that's really all there is to that. Um, and people say, how can that be? Because there's all these other things that I have to do. Um, and, and we've been thoughtful, um, we being the NBCRNA. The NBCRNA has been thoughtful as it's put this program together because everyone is always concerned about cost. That's just a natural response. I'm concerned about it. I have a budget at home. I have to pay attention to, to cost. If you look at the old uh, research program and, and we just use a flat fee, we say CE credits $30 a credit. Okay, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but that's a relatively close industry standard. Um, and, and you just take the old requirement of 40 CEs every two years. That averages about 20 CEs per year. 
And at $30 a credit, that's about $600, or in two years, that's about $1,200. The CPC program, the number of Class A credits, which are equal to CE credits, is cut. It's cut to 60 every four. Rather than 20 on average every year, it's 15. So what you save in, in that continuing education cost, which is pretty significant, um, more than covers the additional fees of the CPC modules that you take once every four years and the assessment that individuals are required to take every eight years. So, you know, in the end, what I can tell you is it's better than $100 per year savings to be in the CPC program than it was to be in the research program. And that's not wacky math, it's not government math, it's pretty straightforward math. Right, right, and I would agree with you. There are, as I have looked at this program, and being someone who is independent of the NBCRNA and the AANA, other than uh, being a professional CRNA with memberships, um, looking at the looking at the information, I mean, the math does march out. There are a lot of different ways to approach the CPC program in terms of gaining the credits. There's uh, the Class A and Class B, there's different opportunities for CPC core modules, uh, but historically, and this information is out there, I think on the online forums, and, and you could do the math through the NBCRNA website, uh, but the costs do march out. Um, there is that cost savings from dropping the credit from you know, essentially 15 class A per year uh, to what used to be um, 20 class A. I, I, may have, I may have said that right, I think. But yep, it, there is- exactly there, right. That's great, good. I got a little confused on my annual requirements there. Well, I want to ask you um, one final question. Uh, you have a very unique perspective, both of you um, being uh, full-time with the NBCRNA on the field of nurse anesthesia, looking not just at the CPC program, but down the road at the global perspective. What are some of the challenges and opportunities that you foresee CRNAs facing in the next 10 to 20 years as a, as a profession? So um, I'm going to start us out with that one, and I'm going to I'm going to narrow my response, John. It's it's a huge question. I understand that. Well, it, <laughs> it is a great question, actually. Yeah, mean, um, but but I'm going to just answer it from the credentialing perspective because I think that's the fairest because I'm um, I'm from the credentialer and that's what I should talk about. Um, and so um, relative to challenges, I think to me the biggest challenges are most likely. Um, not going to be credential related, which I guess is kind of good news from my perspective. Um, and the reason why I say that is because, and, and I mean this, I'm not, I'm not fluffing anybody up. My colleagues, my nurse anesthesia colleagues are some of the smartest, most adaptable, and most resilient professionals that I know. And I have the pleasure to work with all kinds of advanced practice nurses. I work with other physician colleagues um, in the industry. And I can just tell you, nurse anesthetists um, are, are beyond many of those other groups. So I think that the biggest challenges that nurse anesthesia will face in the coming 10 plus years um, will probably relate to other things. They'll relate to things that occur in the practice environment relative to possibly reimbursement or access. Um, not so different really than we've been looking at for the last hundred years or so of right. our practice. Um, those same challenges in different ways keep coming back. But um, I, I would want maybe on a closing note to let your audience know that the NBCRNA will be sure 
that the credential that we award that provides entree for CRNAs is sound and is safe and is respected. That's great. That's and, great. Um, and so that, that's our job and we will do it and we will do it uh, with pleasure. That's great. Thank you. Uh, Lisa, do you want to chime in on that in terms of uh, in, anything that you would add or other context in terms of what the challenges and opportunities uh, CRNA is facing would, would be? Sure. I, I, I would actually just kind of go off of what John said. I think that's a, a critical piece to it is that maintaining an undisputed credential that will bolster all efforts that the, the CRNAs have in you know, possibly expanding scope of practice or being the maintaining the well-respected place that they have in the healthcare environment. So, you know, I think having that strong, undisputed, sound credential is what's going to be kind of a, continue to be the foundation of the profession. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, I know that um, it, for many CRNAs, myself included, I think I think becoming a CRNA is a lifetime achievement. It's a goal that many people have worked very hard to, to achieve, and, uh, it, and it, it's an honor. Uh, I think it's something to be very proud of to be a CRNA, and, and a lot of what that encompasses uh, is because of the hard work of, uh, yes, the NBCRNA, clearly, and other stakeholders, the AANA, and, and generations of CRNAs before us. So not to, not to get too... Uh, philosophical or cheesy here at the end of the show, but um, but I definitely appreciate the work that the two of you have done and that the NBCRNA has done historically in terms of strengthening and creating that credential and making sure that it is sound and that it means something on a public uh, stage. Thank you, John. It's been great having the opportunity to talk with you today. Well, thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about the CPC program or the work of uh, NBCRNA before we sound off? The only thing I would say is, uh, we've said it before, I just want to remind folks, great information is available on our website. If you have questions and you can't find an answer, then there are links, email addresses on our website. Uh, please email us. Staff will get back with you. If staff don't get back with you, and I mean relatively quickly, usually in less than a week, um, then it could be that your message somehow has gotten lost. Please don't suffer in silence. Please send us another email. Um, and and we will or call and we will respond we respond to every single communication that we receive that's great that's great lisa anything else that you'd like to sound off on on a cpc program or nbcrna no but we really thank you john for for doing this and helping your colleagues you know have an opportunity to learn understand the cpc program more because the more we can get out there and talk with people and kind of walk walk crnas through this um the, the more they become comfortable with the program and and as John said there's a great deal of resources there we really do want to help everyone and we don't want you to be in the dark so please reach out look at the resources we have reach out to the NBCRNA we really are happy to help yeah that's great that's great well thank you uh, to both of you for taking the time to sit down with me and record this podcast today I really appreciate it uh-huh. thanks so much John bye bye